Welcome, everybody, all the sports fans from around the world. Good morning, everybody, on this wonderful hump day. We're mm-hmm. fired up. Actually, we're fired up in advance because this week, it's the week we've all been waiting for. It is finally the 2021 NFL Draft. We've been looking forward to this for a while. Some would even call it their Super Bowl. Dude, this is my Super Bowl. Those who know me well know that I look forward to the NFL Draft more than any sporting event of the year. I have been clamoring for this show because Matt has also never beaten me in our favorite annual game, which you guys are going to get to watch live. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, before we get into all that, and I don't even, I don't know about all that. Just like, how are you feeling today, dude? Are you refreshed, refocused, ready to roll? I'm telling you, there is no bigger smile on my face than when I wake up at 6.45 in the morning to record an NFL draft special <laughs> for our fans. Never so done one like this. It's true. It's true. So we're the plan for the show today, we're going to go through the top 10 picks and give our say on what we think these teams will end up doing. Um, as notice just alluded to, we kind of make a game about it. Um, whoever makes the most accurate picks. It's the combination of the player, the team, and in that draft selection, that's how, kind of how the scoring breaks down. And this you is what – yeah, we've been doing this – we've been doing this since Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Seventh so. grade. Matt and I have been doing this mock draft competition. You get one point for having the team pick in the right slot. So just for getting the order right, you get a point. And then you get one point for having the player in that spot as well. So you guys are going to get to watch us play. And then we're going to hit on all the other juicy storylines of this draft right after. But Matt, for the sake of moving along, you want to dig right into our trivia of the week? Yeah, yeah, and you're the one who's got it, so serve it up. I do have the trivia of the week. So Matt, I will ask you, when was the last time in NFL history that a team picked two quarterbacks in the top three within three years? Oh, man, I'm such a jerk because you said this on the show last week. We talked about this. The Jets are going to, and it's probably going to be like the second time in the history of the league. I don't think it's ever happened before, actually. That's my final guess. Lock it in. It's never happened. Wow, that's the first time someone's gotten the trivia of the week right on this show. Everyone (laughs) got to watch it live. Yes, that has never happened before. And I only bring it up because this is not just going to be a Jets in your throat show. I assure you, we have got too much to cover for that. But it's always fun to point out my own misery. (laughs) And that's just how bad the Jets are. We are about to be the first team in NFL history to pick two quarterbacks in the top three within three years of each other. Matt, let me ask you, is that bad? It is certainly not good, but it is a sick segue into my stat of the week, at least. So let's keep the ball rolling. We're kind of tight for time. My stat of the week, another Jets one. I knew we said we wouldn't go too crazy with the Jets, but I just want to like throw some doubt into your mind. And I already shared this with you, but Zach Wilson last season against teams that won 10-plus games, he played five games against teams that won double-digit wins. He was 0-5. He threw one touchdown compared to to seven interceptions. So let me ask you, is that bad? It's not good. And we've also talked about this last night, so I'll just throw it out. But Zach Wilson is, of these quarterbacks, these top five quarterbacks, has to be the most likely to bust for no reason other than the fact that he's getting picked by the New York Jets. And that's the worst track record of drafting quarterbacks, arguably of any team in the NFL. You know, it's pretty tight between us and the Browns on that front. So I'm not going to sit here and drag it out with Zach Wilson. If you want to hear more on that take, check out last week's show. I chewed your ear off about it. But I'll swing it over to my stat of the week, if that's kosher. Hit me with it. My stat of the week is simply, and we don't need to get into it too much, that through 46 starts, Pat Mahomes is the NFL's all-time leader in touchdowns, yards, QBR, and wins. (laughs) Those are four pretty damn good categories to be atop through the first 46 starts of your career. Matt, is that good? It is certainly not bad. Yeah, I mean, Pat Mahomes, he's well on his way to being the best of all time, but he's got ways to go. He's got to catch Tom Brady. Yeah. So, without further ado, let's get into this top 10 mock. I'm really feeling like this is going to be my year. I have a great feel of how it's going to all lay out. Yep, never won before, so 
I don't we, see that happening. Well, it's but. crazy. I actually, I don't, did we mention this? We've tied every single year since nope. seventh grade, the way the scoring breaks down. It's very interesting how that nope. works out. I think we tied the first two years, and then you just started spinning this narrative while I rattled off a win streak for the ages. I've, yeah, and I just I don't remember all that. I'm the resident NFL draft guru. Everyone just remember that. What I say <laughs> is true. So with, without further ado, can we just put the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock and get this one over with? The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock, and it seems like they picked Trevor Lawrence three months ago. And yep. we were talking about Trevor Lawrence, too, last night. And I, I said, is it even possible that he might not be good? And the answer is no. Trevor Lawrence is going to be good the same way Andrew Luck was a sure thing home run prospect. Trevor Lawrence might be an even better prospect. Yes. And I think he's the only reason that Urban Meyer took this job was knowing that he was going to have Trevor Lawrence. And you've been seeing free agents this year go to Jacksonville because they believe in the quarterback coach combo. So if there's ever been a time to be a Jaguar fan, shout out Nate Parker. It's right now because this is probably the most hope the team has had probably since we've been alive. Nothing surprises me more about that little spiel you just gave than the fact that you know a Jaguar fan. I don't think I've ever (laughs) met one in person. Um, so that's all great stuff. Yeah. I mean, come on, this is T-Lock I'll hit the next one too, which we already know talked about at the beginning of this show, Zach Wilson to the New York jets. Duh. If you want to hear more about it, like I said, check out last week's show, but, um, biggest risk in franchise history is all I'll say. And here's hoping that that crazy freakish arm that he showed at BYU, his senior season and a Kyler Murray, Hezzy juke that he also has in his game carry over to the next level, which they should. But God knows it's the Jets, so by week three, he'll have no help around him. And um, this is a kid who had one good college season, We're throwing, and he had it against no competition at BYU in the COVID-affected season. So here's hoping that he is the savior of my franchise. I've got a Joe Namath jersey hanging above my desk. Here's hoping he can make it proud. Yeah, I mean, listen, the more I think about it, the more I cool on the idea of Zach Wilson. The stat I just threw out there, you said it, not really great competition. And in the games that he did play against good teams, he really struggled. And you hear people knock Trey Lance for it. Oh, he went to North Dakota State. What's his competition like? And everyone doesn't want to draft Trey Lance because of that. Well, then keep that same energy for Zach Wilson. And I don't know why people say the draft starts at number three. There are it all does. these quarterbacks. It, it is, and the Jets will pick Wilson. I'm just not 100% sold. I mean, I guess they must know something that I don't. So, like you I said, that, here's the hoping he pans out. You watch five Zach Wilson highlights. You'll see the guy throw people open 40 yards down the field on the run. It is a freakish arm that jump. You don't see it. He'd be the number one pick any other year. 33 touchdowns on three interceptions his senior season. I get it. The only the biggest red flag of Zach Wilson is the fact that he's getting drafted by the Jets. But again, we hit on that so hard last week. I'm ready for number three overall if you are. I'm ready too, and this is where the draft really starts. So San Francisco 49ers on the clock. What are you thinking? I have Mac Jones. And everyone says this is going to come down to Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And I'm not saying that I even necessarily agree with the Mac Jones. But what I'm hearing through McShay – through executives is that Kyle Shanahan wants Mac Jones. The rest of the organization leans Trey Lance. I think Shanahan ends up getting his way. This is also a team that fully expects to be contending next year. Like this is not, they are not looking for a project quarterback. They are not looking for someone they're going to have to develop for a few years. I think they want a guy who's going to come right in and play a Kyle Shanahan system that thrived with immobile quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan and Mac Jones, I think is the safe option. And I think it's the option they're going to go with. And for that reason, it makes sense. Again, could you have gotten him later in the draft? I don't know. People also think that Carolina wouldn't have traded for Sam Darnold if San Francisco hadn't traded up to three because Mac Jones was their guy at number eight. So I'm not going to say I dislike it. I also just want to throw out there that if you're San Francisco, you fully are still doing everything you can to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not sure if you heard what Kyle Shanahan said the other day but they asked him if Jimmy G is going to be on the team this Sunday after the draft. And he was like, I don't know if anyone in the world is going to be alive on Sunday. All right. All right. I bet that someone in the world is alive on Sunday. Um, but if we're comparing like those odds to Jimmy G not being on the team, I think they're holding out thinking that someone like new England is going to throw him a bone with a second or third rounder. Yes. And I agree with everything you said. I've heard those same things that, 
the organization is kind of split where Shanahan wants Mac and the front office isn't necessarily sold. Just a couple notes here. The 49ers, you know, when you're picking a quarterback, I think so much of a quarterback's success depends on the situation they're drafted into. And when you look at what the 49ers have going for them, it is an unbelievable situation for any quarterback. If I was a quarterback, this is the team I'd want to go to. You have a great offensive head coach in Shanahan. Your offensive line, it's good. You get Trent Williams back just to help it. Your weapons, you're looking at your weapons, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. These are very good weapons in an explosive offense. And like you just alluded to, a top five defense that was ravaged by injuries last year. Their entire defensive line ended up missing the season because they had to play a couple games on that MetLife turf. Um, they're going to get guys like Nick Bosa back. I think they feel like their defense is elite. And I feel like they think they're kind of a quarterback away, which imagine imagine being Jimmy Garoppolo right now, where last season you get traded, you get paid to be the guy there. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you get injured. It's not quite the season you want. And now your head coach is up at press conferences saying, yeah, I could probably make this work with about four or five different guys, all of which who have zero NFL experience. Like, don't worry about Jimmy Garoppolo. If I'm Jimmy G, I'm looking around like, what the hell? Like, what happened here? And like you said, I think he is going to get traded. And I do think it's going to be to New England specifically, but there's no way Jimmy G ends up with the Niners. I think Shanahan looks at Mac Jones. He sees a guy. If you watch a college tape, his number one thing was anticipating throws, making those reads early, and throwing guys open. I think that that's exactly what Shanahan likes and will be able to scheme up and take advantage of. So I think it's a good fit in Mac Jones. I another he wants a guy who's not going to screw the pooch, and that's what he's trying to get in Mac Jones. That's I it. mean, yeah, yeah, and I I agree. But let me ask you this: I'm pretty reluctant on Mac Jones too. I think this is another quarterback that might bust. I mean, I, an, just a red flag that I know probably I think would matter to you. Do you know who has the high? <laughs> The highest number of DUIs in the draft class is Mac Jones. Does, is wow. that at all a red flag for you? Yeah, you hate to see the early Britt Reed comparisons coming through. That's not funny. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, dude, I, I don't disagree. And also the fact that people are just comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady because they're both immobile is, like, pretty <laughs> wild to me. And they, and they are. But, again, I when you think about who's going to bust, you look at, like, the 2018 draft with those – five quarterbacks and at the end of the day what it came down to above all else was situation and Mac Jones is going to be sliding into the best situation a lot of pressure starting day one um but he is going to be sliding to the best situation so we both agree on this pick we don't think it's Trey Lance I'm ready to go to four if you are let's move it along all right four I've got Kyle Pitts going to the Atlanta Falcons at the end of the day going to be a lot of enticing options they could Take a quarterback. I think probably a few people in the organization like Trey Lance or like, you know, Mac Jones if he's there or like Justin Fields. But I think that there's too much love in the organization for Kyle Pitts, a guy that they can line up anywhere, out wide, at tight end, especially if they're going to trade Julio, which some people think they're going to do after June 1st for cap reasons. But even if they don't, I think you load up for one more run with Matt Ryan. I don't get hedging your bet and at 36 drafting a quarterback to supplement a guy who has not slowed down even a bit. Matt Ryan had a very good season last year with a terrible defense, keeping that Falcons team in games and like even just afloat as an organization. I think you recharge, you give them the surrounding pieces. And I think what they'd like to do above all else is move back. But I just think they're not going to get the price. I think they love Pitts too much to equate the price of moving back from a team who wants to move up for a quarterback, especially when, and I'll get into this more, teams seven and eight and realistically nine all want to trade back. Yeah, there, like you said, there are a few teams in the top 10. I wouldn't be shocked if the Falcons traded down, but like, like you also said, I think many teams view Kyle Pitts as the best overall player in the whole entire draft. And if you're the Falcons, throwing him into the mix of your offense would make the offense really nasty. You have Matt Ryan, you have Julio Jones, you also have Calvin Ridley. Todd also Gurley. throwing Kyle Pitts and Todd Gurley. I mean, this was an offense last year. Every offensive starter was a former first-round pick. So we know that right. the talent is there. Um, like you said, I mean, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, they're not getting any younger. And they're, the rumors have started to heat up a little bit about both of them being on their way out. 
I think, like you said, this kind of feels like the last hurrah for this offensive core where I think they're going to keep – I don't know if they're going to move Julio unless they get some sick offer for him. I don't think they will. Um, I think they'll keep Matt Ryan, throw Pitts into the mix, and just try and kill teams on offense. I will say, though, this is another one. Everybody talks about Kyle Pitts like he's a can't-miss prospect. He's amazing. And, yes, all uh, the talent, the metrics, everything you want to see from a prospect is there. But I will throw this out as a word of caution for drafting a tight end in the first round. Historically, the track record isn't great. If you look at just the last few years of tight ends that have been picked in the first round, Hayden Hurst, O.J. Howard, David Njoku, Eric Ebron, Noah Fant, um, T.J. Hawkinson, these are all guys that get drafted in the first round and are kind of underwhelming once they make it to the league. I mean, some of these guys have had all right seasons, but O.J. Howard was the same sort of prospect as Pitts where he was just dominant. Not the same sort, dude. Pitts is a better prospect, but where I think the comp for Pitts, that I, there's, if there's anything to your point, I think it's you look at like the only other top five pick at tight end in NFL history who's Vernon Davis that came in running like a 4-2-6-40. Everyone was like, what the hell is this freak? He does everything. He's a receiver. He's a tight end. They're saying the same things about Pitts. But I do think you, you know, you saw Pitts play at Florida last year. Like, the kid's a freak. Absolutely special. I do get the hype. Um, listening, built like George Kittle. And I think that there is a low floor, I will say. I, sorry, I think there's a high floor. I, I don't think that there's a chance that this guy ends up really being a liability to an NFL team at all or a bust. Uh, he just may not live up to the massive expectations. But nonetheless, a good tight end is a good piece to have. Um, if they can trade back, they will because – Tight end is not why the Falcons lost games last year or why they've struggled historically. They struggle because they can't tackle. And when games come down to the fourth quarter, they start missing tackles. And that's how they blow. I mean, last year, the stats were insane. Their probability of winning three games in a row was like 99.7. And they ended up blowing them because they can't tackle at the end of games. So if you can trade back, get some defensive pieces, that's really what would be more helpful to this team than anything. But like I said, supply and demand. I think there are too many other teams in the top 10, a little bit further down with lower asking prices than the Falcons that are more likely to move out of those spots. And with that, I'm willing to move along to those picks. You? Yeah, same here. We're, we're right on par for uh, the first four. All right, Cincinnati Bengals at five. Who you got? Cincinnati Bengals at five, and if the draft shakes out the way we think it will in the top four, I think it is an absolute no-brainer and that they should be cheering in their war room and already have submit the card yesterday. They have to draft Penny Sewell, a starting tackle. You need to – and this is going to be a theme of mine throughout the rest of the top yeah, ten. Yeah, here we if go. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you look at what happened last season. Your franchise quarterback. You know he's the guy. He came in and immediately changed the entire temperature of the franchise is Joe Burrow. You have to protect him at all costs, no matter what. It doesn't matter. And you already saw why. In his first season, he was getting beat up, and he tore his ACL for it because the team couldn't protect him. You need... Joe also didn't slide. Joe never slid last season. I mean, okay, fine. I won't put all of the blame on the offensive line. Sure, let's blame Joe Burrow for his knee injury. But <laughs> but it's a no-brainer. You saw it with the Buccaneers. You see what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing in the offseason. These good teams, they build from the inside out. It's going to be so tempting for the Bengals to draft Jamar Chase and reunite him with his homeboy, Joe Burrow, from the LSU days. He's the best receiver. You just lost A.J. Green. Maybe now you slide Chase in and he fills that role. No. No, no, no. I promise you, drafting a skill position guy, if you're the Bengals, doesn't move the needle at all. You need to build from the inside out, set up that foundation, make sure Burrow's protected, and then go from there in the future. This is a team that doesn't – it's not a playoff threat right now. So let's get there. And I wouldn't be shocked. There are a couple different tackles that it could be. Uh, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern is another prospect that – I'd say he's the only other one who could really go at five. But I, I, I think if someone's going to go at five, it's Sewell. I mean, Sewell's out here getting Orlando Pace and Walter Jones comparisons pre-draft, which is nuts. And I get it. He's, like, ridiculously fast for someone almost 350 pounds. But 
I will say I went back and forth on this one a lot yesterday. And at the end of the day, I've got Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU. I mean, this kid, the comp, they're saying he's like a more athletic Des Bryant. And he's got the chemistry with Joe Burrow already. And the only factor I'll throw in that pushed the needle here, I get the whole protect Joe Burrow angle. In fact, um, when I was typing out my notes yesterday, I was like, I think at this pick I should stand up. And, like, that's when you stand on a table and say, please take Penny Sewell. Please protect Joe Burrow. But bear in mind there's a Bengals team that loves to draft wide receivers. John Ross in the first round, like two years ago. T. Higgins at 33 overall after taking Joe Burrow last year. A.J. Green, not that long before that. Like, it's historically a team that likes to pick receivers. And you've got Burrow publicly clamming for Jamar Chase. And I think at the end of the day, you appease him, you throw him in, you get a true number one on the outside, something they don't have. Again, receiver wasn't the problem last year. But I do think also this, I mean, this is really going to come down to what they think they can get in the second round also, like where they like the drop off most at O-line or receiver. Um, But at the end of the day, I do lean Jamar Chase with this pick. It's the sexier pick. It's the hotter pick. It's the one that will get their fans more excited. And I do want to just jump on the table, though, and say that everyone who's out here, and I heard Field Yates, who, by the way, never listen to Field Yates for your pre-draft coverage. The guy knows nothing. You are getting better insight here. I saw him say that Penny Sewell is just not the kind of guy who can change your offense in year one and by, be, by virtue of being a lineman. And that's something that Jamar Chase can do by virtue of being a receiver. And I'm like, L-O freaking L. Tell that to the Dallas Cowboys the year they drafted Zach Martin. Tell that to the Indianapolis Colts the year they drafted Quentin Nelson. And I'll be over here cracking up. But I do think they'll take Jamar Chase at the end of the day. But it's between those two players, I really will say. I, I agree that it is between those two guys. But, and it's just like you said, drafting Chase would be the sexier pick. It is a pick that the fans would no doubt be more excited about. And it is also the pick that no doubt helps the team less. Like, you don't need skill position guys. You have Tyler Boyd. You drafted T. Higgins. You have receivers already on the team that are very good. You need to help Joe Burrow. This offensive line is terrible. Joe Mixon gets injured every single season, and I wonder why. Help yourself. Like, just help yourself. It's crazy. The formula for winning in the NFL starts with the offensive line. And if you want to overlook it, you're just going to end up shooting yourself in the foot. The Colts are a great example. They drafted Quentin Nelson in the top six, I think, and got a lot of heat for it because how could you draft a guard in the top six? He's totally changed their entire offense because he's been the best one in the league. So that's I think that's well the right pick. I'm just leaning Chase because I think that's what they'll do. Right. And I think that that might be the biggest difference in how we score in this event is – I just I'm trying to I'm trying to help them. That's out they don't play in GM. The Bengals don't come to me for the answers, unfortunately, but I wish they did. I could help them win games. All right, pick number six. I can guess yours right now. I'm going to guess that you've got no. Well, guess. Tell us. <laughs> My pick. It's going to be a shock. I don't think you do have it. My pick for the Dolphins at six is Devonte Smith. That's what? who I have too. Really. But he's the number two receiver on my board after Jamar Chase. That's why I have him there. I think they'd love nothing more than the Bengals to take Penny Sewell so they can get their pick of receiver. Now, you think that's Devontae Smith. I do think that's Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase is a lot more physically imposing than, um, than Devontae Smith. I mean, Devontae Smith's weight is the minor concern. You're going to hear about his whole career. The guy weighs 180 pounds. I'm thicker than Devontae Smith. Think about that. But I was probably a better receiver in high school, too. But nonetheless, I think that Jamar Chase is higher up on their board for those reasons, maybe. Um, But again, I think Smith makes sense here, too. That's who I've got. And don't be surprised if they want Waddle because they've got Devontae Parker on the outside already. They signed Will Fuller to be a deep threat. Don't be surprised if they want a guy now who can play in the slot like Waddle and do things off like handoffs off the jet sweep but um at the end of the day if i'm the dolphins i'm taking a guy who i think can work the whole field and that's devonta smith listen i i also think that chase is the consensus number one receiver on probably everybody's draft boards everywhere the reason i kind of got cute with this one 
and have Smith to Miami specifically, I think the thinking in Miami right now is, what does Tua need? We're going to get him right. whatever he wants to tell us, let us know. We're going to get you whatever you need. Which is so funny because he's not that good. I, I know. And I, I think that's kind of why they need to cater to him so hard is because he really, I don't know. I don't know. He, there's still a lot left out there for him. But there was a lot thing to be I, desired last season. We'll put it that way. Exactly. Exactly. So two points I have here for Devontae Smith. One, I read a report that the Dolphins actually are downgrading prospects who sat out in 2020. That's unfortunately Jamar Chase and also kind of Jalen Waddle. I mean, he didn't sit, but he was injured, so he didn't play. That kind of only leaves Devontae Smith, which brings me to part two. Tua, back at Alabama, was playing with Devontae Smith. So it's kind of that same synergy that you love so much with Chase and Burrow. They have that same chemistry already. Yeah. Um, it's and, crazy. We're talking about in my mock draft here, we're reuniting the two best quarterback receiver duos from the 2019 college football season <laughs> in the NFL. Um, yeah. And I mean, let's not forget the season that Devonte Smith just had. I mean, yes, the weight concerns, the size concerns, they're there and, and they're valid. Out. The Heisman winning receiver that happens once in a blue moon. He balled out. Heisman winning receiver. I mean, like that's pretty, pretty crazy. Sounds and like he did an it in the man. SEC. So, yeah. how about them apples? All so right. yeah, we both got Smith. We both got Devontae Smith here at six. Okay, so number seven, Detroit Lions. This is where I have Panay Sewell falling. And if you're the Detroit Lions, I think you're doing jumping jacks in the war room if Panay Sewell's there. That said, I do think this is where the serious, serious trade back talk starts. Why? Because if you're the Detroit Lions, you need everything. <laughs> you need literally every position on the field. Yeah, including quarterback. They're not going to draft a quarterback, but Jared Goff ain't great. So they have two first-rounders in the next draft. They have two first-rounders in the draft after. I think they might want to just Oklahoma City thunder it and just stockpile them. Someone might be Jones in for Trey Lance. You've got Carolina sitting at eight, throwing smoke screens that they're willing to take Trey Lance. Maybe this is where Denver gets nervous and is like, We'll swap first-rounders, and I'll give you one next year to go up to seven and take Trey Lance. Or Washington football team is another candidate to move up and go get Trey Lance. I don't think New England will do that. We'll get more into that later. Um, But long story short, I think the Lions are looking to trade back. They need literally everything, so more picks the merrier. But if they're going to sit here at seven, they're just going to take the best player on the board. And with Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith gone – that's Panay Sewell. Again, also, their receivers right now are Rashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams. So they're praying, I think, that Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase are there. And they just might like Jalen Waddle enough to take him over Panay Sewell here. But I think you go with the best player on the board. And Panay Sewell's out here getting Walter Jones comparisons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we said it before. Sewell's probably the best tackle in the draft. And... <sighs> The Lions, like you said, this does feel like an obvious trade down spot for me. And I think if they do trade it down, it feels like it's going to go to New England to me because Bill Belichick only likes to make deals with his boys and his friends that he's coached with before. And Matt Patricia obviously owes him his life. I know that you, you're actually the one who's told me you don't think Belichick's going to trade down. I actually kind of agree because – I don't think Belichick really wants to take in this rookie quarterback and teach him how to play football. I think he wants a guy that he can just kind of plug and not have to really worry about, which makes me feel like they're probably going to end up with a Jimmy Garoppolo or Teddy Bridgewater, like veteran type. But this does feel like a spot. It's going to be an opportunity for teams, maybe not new England to move up to get a quarterback. They want if the Detroit lions also, we forgot to clarify this in the beginning. For the sake of our mock draft in this show, we're not really going to be predicting trades and all that well, stuff because who knows? Well, you can if you want, but from a points perspective, it's not the smartest thing to do. Right, exactly. But, so, assuming that the Lions stay here and they do make this pick, I think that they are such a dysfunctional team with no sense of how to build the roster that they're going to look at their glaring need at wide receiver and just draft one right away. In my, my, in my list, I have it being Jamar Chase because I have Chase falling down here. I would be shocked if, he, if Chase makes it all the way here. If he does, I think it's going to be a no-brainer for the Lions. But again, I know, and going back to my theme, if you're the Detroit Lions, you should draft 
a big, whether it's an offensive tackle, whether it's a pass rusher, which it probably won't be because there too aren't early for a pass rusher in this draft. Exactly. It's too early. So you got to draft one of the big three, big three tackles. And in my mind, that's Sewell, Slater, and also Darisaw um, out of Virginia Tech is I another think, great. I just, yeah. I, I, again, I think if Sewell's there, he's the pick. I don't think they take Slater. I mean, maybe they take Slater if, if they really, really are clamoring for O-line. Jared Goff needs help on the outside in a major way, too. We just saw on the Jets what happens when you try to make Rashad Perriman your number one receiver for a season. So, like, I think receiver is the first look. But um, Listen, I agree. And it's a draft that's sick. The receiving, the receiving class is amazing. So, I think they're going to be very tempted to. But I'll just say this. Like, if you're the Lions, right, and you're supposed to win, let's say they're going to win five games this next season coming up. And now you add J- Jamar Chase into that mix. How many games are you going to win now? Probably five. I don't, I, I don't think it moves the needle literally at all. Like you said, they have so many needs all around the roster, and they have so many picks for the future. Why not start building your foundation from the inside out? The skill position guys I get are the it, dude. cherries on top of the right. Sundays. They are not what you actually need. You need your offensive linemen. You need to win in the trenches. And the Lions probably aren't even going to care. Dude, I love this angle. I actually love this angle. You're, you're winning me over as you, as you talk about how, like, what could the Detroit Lions do in the immediate future to actually get somewhat competent? They had a good O-line. That matters more than a strong receiver on the outside. Everything else combined. So I'm, I'm so with you there. Um, I'm wondering, is now a good time to do a, a quick, deep dive on the teams that might move up and the teams that might move back? I mean, sure. I mean, what are, what's teams? There are a whole bunch of teams that come to my mind. What do you have in mind specifically? So real quick, I just think it's worth addressing the fact that you've got still four teams outside of this top three that need a quarterback for next season. And those are Chicago, the Washington football team, the Denver Broncos, and the New England Patriots. I don't think the New England Patriots are going to end up moving up because I don't think trading up for a quarterback is in Bill Belichick's DNA. I think if someone's sitting there at 15 that he likes, he'll take him. But I think he's going to go for value at the end of the day before he sacrifices next year's first rounder. I'm pretty sure he still thinks he can win with Cam Newton, whether or not he can. Or, again, then the alternative now that I need to throw out is that, sure, we've got all these amazing quarterbacks in this year's draft, but you also have Teddy Bridgewater, who's going to get traded for pennies, like actual pennies. They told him, just find a team. We'll make it happen. So Teddy Bridgewater might get moved for a fourth or fifth round pick. And if you're Bill Belichick, that's a pretty safe alternative to moving up, giving up several first rounders to get a quarterback. That's for any of these. Denver, uh, Washington, Chicago, Teddy Bridgewater makes sense. Again, then we also know that San Francisco thinks they're going to move Jimmy G. So depending on their price tag, That's another guy we obviously know that Belichick has a loving history with. He wanted to get rid of Tom Brady at the peak of Brady's play so he could start Jimmy Garoppolo. I just want to put out that these options are all on the table for these teams and that seven through eight here, I think the Lions pick at seven and the Panthers pick at eight is where you're going to be hearing a lot of trade-up stuff, especially with the Broncos sitting at nine and needing a quarterback. So I just wanted to interject that. Yes, and – a lot of these teams, thinking about it, it is very interesting. You've actually kind of swung me about the Patriots and their quarterback pick. I don't think they move up. Like you said, I think you hit it on the head. The Broncos, I'm looking around at this draft class, and it doesn't feel like there's a John Elway-esque quarterback that will make what? them want to draft one. This is the first year Elway is not picking. I right. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. This is the first year Elway is not picking the quarterback. You got Vic Fangio as the head coach. I think he'd like to go defensive. We'll, we'll, we'll get into this more when we get to the Broncos pick. Um, but they, by all stretches, need a quarterback. And you wonder if they can get, like, John Lynch, Niners-esque, bluffed into moving up ahead of Carolina, who, I mean, sm- smokescreen central, the fact that they're saying they might draft a quarterback. Like, <laughs> yeah. They just yeah, moved yeah. picks two, four, and six for Sam Darnold. So you're telling me that – they're going to get rid of more than half their draft to have two quarterbacks next season. I think that's ludicrous. Yes. And again, we'll touch on that later. Just, uh, I wanted to get through the rest of those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Bears. 
the Bears, it's super interesting because anybody that you had at, that you could ask would probably tell you the Bears need a starting quarterback. But the oh. Bears probably think they just went out and got their starting quarterback in free agency with Andy Dalton. Oh, so my crazy. vomit. So, but you have Andy Dalton. You also had just traded for Nick Foles. So you got to wonder, is this, are they going to pick yet another quarterback? And a point that you brought up yesterday, are they going to draft another quarterback if the coaching staff feels like they're just going to get fired at the end of the season and they're going to have to start over from square one next year? It's really interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know if the Bears are itching to take a quarterback. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they traded up for a good one because how could you possibly feel comfortable about Andy Dalton being the long-term guy? But I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't pick a quarterback either for those reasons I just mentioned. Um, another team that's kind of in that same boat a little, the uh, Washington with Ryan, Patrick Fitzryan. Um, I think they're more likely to move up. I think they're more likely to. I mean, obviously, you're not viewing Ryan Fitzpatrick as your long-term solution at quarterback. So I'd, I'd assume that they're going to keep one eye to the future. It's also a great situation. And poor Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. If they draft a quarterback to bring in, to sit behind him, and then he gets to play his first four games and he throws ten touchdowns but five interceptions, and then they bench him even though they're 3-0. and like last Again, year. yeah, literally just like repeating last year. This poor guy, like give him his chance. But that's but, his role in the league at this point. I don't feel bad for Fitz on that front. Like he's got to know that no team is going to view him as a long-run solution and no team that's actually trying to contend is going to view him as like their guy to contend with. I think Washington football team is the most likely to move up, especially for Trey Lance because, well, one, with Trey Lance specifically and Justin Fields, you've got Ron Rivera's history of coaching mobile quarterbacks. This is the guy who coached Cam Newton when he won MVP, and now he's running the show in Washington. And then secondly, you factor in the fact that the Washington football team has a silly good defense with Chase Young, led by Chase Young. And then you also get the fact they bring in Curtis Samuel in the offseason. They've got Terry McLaurin on the outside. They love their weapons. They're really thinking that they're a quarterback away, the fact that they rode Taylor Henke to a playoff spot last year. So if they're sitting there thinking we can bring in Trey Lance, let him sit behind Ryan, like I think that's a perfect situation if you're for a team that can move up from they're currently sitting at 19. And if they want to move up to eight or seven to trade with these Detroit Lions or with the Carolina Panthers, which is how we got on this, not even digression, I think that makes a lot of sense. And on what you said about Chicago, what I'm hearing through other people's insiders is that Chicago doesn't have the green light to draft a quarterback because this might be the last year of the regime, which is just funny. This Bears team is like so definition of stuck in the middle. The fact that they traded for Khalil Mack shipped everything to become a win now, quote unquote, team. (laughs) And then you throw in the fact that Andy Dalton is their quarterback for next season as of now. And he's a guy who did nothing to prove that he's a starter in Dallas last year and everything to prove he isn't. So I don't know what they're thinking, but I agree. I think this is like a last year for Matt Nagy to prove himself and they're not going to give him the chips to really do it, but I don't see Chicago moving up to take a quarterback long way of saying that I see Washington football team as someone that could do it. New England. No. And Denver only if they get absolutely poker faced. I agreed, agreed. And uh, we, can, we can touch on the Panthers right now. They're kind of next on the clock here yep. at eight. All right. For me, sitting at number eight, if the Panthers stay here, I have them taking Jalen Waddle right now. You have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson's contracts both ending next year. And realistically, you're only going to be able to pay to keep one of those guys. I think they are doubling down on Sam. And the fact that they haven't granted Sam Darnold his fifth-year extension yet is, to me, purely to drum up hype that they might take a quarterback and try to coax someone into moving into their spot by saying, like, I don't know, we really like Trey Lance. That's why we haven't signed Sam. (laughs) Um, So I think that if Jalen Waddle's there and they like him and they want to bring him in as a complimentary piece, I mean, even just what they could do then in the running game with Jalen Waddle next to Chris McCaffrey and people sleep on the fact Sam Darnold's got some legs too. Um, a lot of interesting stuff they could do there, or they go big. And to your point, Matt, this is another team that would really benefit from taking Rashawn Slater if he's there, or if Panay Sewell's there, they're doing jumping jacks. But offensive line would go a long way for this team. 
And I'm glad you queued it up because that's my pick, Rashawn Slater. If you're the Panthers, you have to pick a left tackle. Right now, you do not have one. You don't. Sorry. And your team, you just brought in Sam Darnold, agreed. If you hear the Panthers are drafting a quarterback, it is an absolute lie. Whoever's telling you is lying straight to your face. They didn't just trade away draft capital and all this stuff to bring in Sam Darnold just to let him walk out the door. They obviously believe in Sam Darnold and what he can do, and he's going to be their quarterback. And what do you have to do for Sam Darnold? Something that has never been done before in his life. You have to protect him. Oh, my gosh. Is it crazy to think about that? You have to protect Sam Darnold. And on top of that, you just said it. You said Chris McCaffrey. Do you think anyone in his life has ever called him Chris? I call him Chris all the time. I, I didn't know he was a friend of the show like that. So, yeah, you're Chris McCaffrey. He's everything that you want to do on offense. You want to hand him the ball and you want to throw it to him 200, 300 times in a season. You have to make sure he's going to be upright, too. You want to give him a place to run. You want to right. look at Zeke Elliott a few years ago when he came into that loaded Cowboys offensive line. It changes everything. It changes the whole temperament of your entire offense. And like you said, yes, their receivers will be free agents next year. That's next year. We'll deal with that then. This position at left tackle is a glaring need. You have a new quarterback. Your franchise player is your running back. Let's try and make life easy for them, please. You have a top three tackle sitting here in the top ten. Do it. And Slater specifically, he's a unique tackle. He could play any spot on the line. He could play guard. He could play center. You can move him all around. He's great. I think, again, it, feel, it feels like if the Panthers are here and Slater or Sewell, one of these guys is available, it should be a no-brainer, and they should do it. I will say, though, I wouldn't be surprised also if they picked a cornerback. There are a couple good cornerbacks yeah. like uh, Patrick Sertan yep. and uh, J.C. Horn, and these yep. are the top guys, and they're going to be sitting there probably at 8-2. And they, mm -hmm. the Panthers, especially in their division where you got – Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Julio Jones and Mike Thomas and all these sick receivers, you need to defend them. And the Panthers currently don't have anyone. But again, if you're the Panthers, we are clearly in a rebuilding phase here. Let's do it from the inside out. Oh, my God, just pick an offensive line, please, for me. I'm, I'm, dude, I think that's the best take on the show so far, honestly. Like, I, I completely agree with you, especially for the fact, like, can we just hashtag free Sam Darnold? Like, this <laughs> yeah. guy has had no help in his entire career. I was literally just thinking, as you said this, about how I wouldn't wish being the Jets' starting quarterback on my worst enemy. I think there's no worse job in the whole world. Just period. So <laughs> I agree. You're Carolina. Let's double down. Let's give this kid an actual chance to do something, and you fortify Christian McCaffrey at the same time. And it makes sense. And for this year, there is no rush to bring in the receivers when you have Robbie and DJ Moore still. But again, those guys, two contracts ending, if they like Jalen Waddell and think there are a lot of creative things they can do with him offensively, you know, Joe Brady is running the offense and he's a creative guy. Where Joe Brady's a fan of the show. Matt Rule, a former college coach, also at Baylor, does a lot of creative stuff on offense. Wouldn't be surprised if they look Jalen Waddell. But again, this is a team that is for sure looking to trade back and that's where all their smoke screens are coming from. So don't be surprised if Denver gets bluffed into coming into eight or Washington football team moves up into eight. Yes, and uh, I, I think they're actually <laughs> – there's news that they're trying to draft a quarterback. No, no, no. I think they're actually trying to trade a quarterback. I mean, they have Teddy Bridgewater on the team. Right. He's going right. to get dealt. They're looking to move Teddy for pennies. All right, I think we're good on Panthers. You want to go to nine now? Move it along to a team we brought up earlier, can really get into now, the Denver Broncos. And it's a really interesting spot for them. I, they definitely need a quarterback. Or do they? Because I don't think that – they just drafted Drew Locke. They spent a high draft pick on Drew Locke like two seasons ago. A second-round pick two seasons ago. I have them taking Trey Lance here. Now – I think that Drew Locke did absolutely nothing last year to show he's the guy. I think that they are literally still clinging to his one three-touchdown game as a rookie when he sung g Easy on the sideline and had the fans going for it. <laughs> I think that bringing in competition at the very least is something the Broncos have to do this offseason. Bear in mind that they love where they're at. They went on a spending spree to shore up their secondary this offseason. They love their receivers with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, 
and uh, KJ Hamler. They've got Melvin Gordon in the backfield. They don't feel like they're far off. And in a division with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Derek Carr, you got to do better than Drew Locke. Now, would they be a team that moves pennies for Teddy Bridgewater for something safe for a year? Possibly. Are they a team that could throw a third rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe. But I think that if you're these Broncos, and again, it's a new guy calling the shots this year. It's not John Elway. I think you want to leave your stamp, and that stamp is a quarterback who can move around and do everything. Crazy arm, 28 touchdowns and zero interceptions in his last college season, and that's Trey Lance. I think you bring him in. He doesn't have to start immediately if you're that confident in Drew Locke. And, um, and I think that's the pick. Alternatively, bear in mind their head coach is a defensive guy. If they're going to pick someone else, I think Vic Fangio could go with Micah Parsons here. This is a beast middle linebacker who runs a 4-3-6-40 and um, could see him fitting right into that defense. But I think quarterback is the pick. Yeah, listen, I think quarterback is, like you said, I think it is definitely a need. I just, I'm, I'm really curious. You think John Elway is just going to be silent and say, don't even ask me my opinion on anything because they're going to say, hey, what do you think about Trey Lance? And Elway is going to be like, yeah, but is he tall enough? Does he throw it far enough? Like, let's watch my film. Let's look at my film and see if, how Trey Lance compares. I wonder how much influence he's going to have. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they picked a quarterback. But at the same time, I also wouldn't be shocked, and I have my pick here. I have them picking Micah Parsons. I think this is a defense. A, this is a defensive-minded team. Like Vic Vangio is a defensive-minded head coach. They care about that side of the ball. Von Miller is probably in his last, on his last year in Denver. He's probably on his way out. This is a good front. The, the defensive line is good, especially with Von Miller still in the mix. But the linebackers are certainly eh Bad. at best. Yeah. And Micah Parsons seems like he's the best inside linebacker of this draft class. Like you said, he's ran a sub 4-4-40. That's crazy. He's crazy. clearly he's clearly a big and fast enough athlete to cover elite tight ends in the league. And like you said, when you look around this division – that's that's a huge that's a huge factor because you've guys like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. So I think the Broncos are looking around. I think they feel like they are set on offense. I think if you look back to last year, certainly Drew Lock ain't it though. He's not. It was Drew Lock was terrible last season. But I, in his defense, and I listen again, I'm with you. It, Drew Locke would not be my quarterback. But if you're the Broncos, maybe you're sitting there like, hey, well, he did have COVID. All these other guys got COVID. They never really had a chance. They didn't have the preseason. Like, who knows? And I know it's all – you know what excuses are, right? right? Stepping stones on the pathway to failure. This is a classic Mapakovsky question. So, look, I mean, you can make a million different excuses for Drew Locke. I just wonder how much weight the Broncos put into that because if they are buying their own excuses – they're going to say, hey, you know, we got all these weapons for him. Let's give him a full season and a real chance here, and let's shore up the defense, which we really care about on the other side of the ball. In the meantime, maybe give, make the team that much better. I don't know. So, again, though, I think this is a trade-down spot for the Broncos. If they aren't in the mix for their own quarterback, it could be another, you could see a team move up here. Well, they if they're go. sitting there, though, and they think that Trey Lance is going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback, they're going to draft him. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to simply their evaluation of the quarterback on the board and their evaluation of Drew Locke internally. And to, by the way, to your point about John Elway, the change this offseason, he's still the president of football operations, but he is no longer the general manager. So it isn't expected that you're right. They'll maybe ask him, but it's not expected that he's calling the shot on this year's quarterbacks, which is good because historically he's terrible at doing that between <laughs> Paxton Lynch and then I guess Drew Locke and, you know, Brock Osweiler, but exactly. We're making faces. Um, again, if I'm the Broncos, I think you need a quarterback next season. We've kind of beaten this one to a pulp a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater is another guy who makes sense for you if, if you don't like Trey Lance available, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Trey Lance also might be gone by this point via trade up from Washington. And yeah, like you said, if they do trade for a veteran type like Teddy Bridgewater, then it, it gives them more flexibility in the top 10 to address another position of need. I would say that might be more ideal for their timeline because it allows them to just light a fire under Drew Locke's ass and see what the competition does to him. Might be better right. for their timeline. But if you're ready to move on from Drew Locke and you're convinced, the same way the Jets are ready to move on from Sam Darnold, 
whether or not they thought he was going to be a good or had the talent, but their internal valuation of Zach Wilson was like, we can't miss this guy. It depends how they feel about Trey Lance or Justin Fields, who I don't think is going to be the pick here. But um, should we hit 10? It's rounded out here at number 10, the Dallas Cowboys, a team that gives me nightmares about what they could potentially do here. But I do have faith that they're going to do something stupid. I don't know. They're usually pretty stupid with their roster moves. Jerry Jones right now, you got to understand, Jerry Jones is like 80 years old and, and he's crazy. He is not, he is by no means trying to bring in a project, like give him a few years. No, 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 no. Jerry Jones is trying to win a Super Bowl this year. Don't get it twisted. And Dak Prescott's going to be back in the mix. And they have some pretty talented wide receivers and good running backs. So the skill position guys are there. So I think in Jerry Jones' mind, he thinks that they could win right now. And again, this is a team that if it were me, I would sit there and bang the drum. We need to draft an offensive line. Their offensive line was amazing a few years ago, but it's peaked and everybody's on their way out and injured. You need to make sure this is okay. Do I, who do I think they draft, though? Not an offensive lineman. I think they draft a, a positional player, skill position type. I think it's going to be Patrick Sertan the second. Straight out, I, of Al- yep. straight out I of Alabama. Patrick Tell me Sertan why. second, too. But I'm not going to stand on the table and honestly say this is a team that needs to be drafting offensive line. I get that it would be good for them to add some depth to their O-line. You still got some studs like Zach Martin. Um, but again, what this team needs, like, this is an offense that was breaking records until Dak Prescott got hurt last year. He was averaging over 400 yards a game at the point that he was injured on pace to shatter the record for passing yards in a season. That's what this offense was doing last year before Dak Prescott got hurt. They were moving the ball at will, but they were losing games 47-52 to the Cleveland Browns because at the same time, their secondary was shattering records for allowing the most passing yards of any secondary ever. And they were on pace to break every record. Them in Seattle were like a meme through the first 10 weeks of the season, how bad they were at covering, at guarding receivers, flat out. So you get Patrick Sertan, a blue chip from the University of Alabama, I think that makes a lot of sense. He's a starter day one and hopefully can at least put, uh, can at least help stop some of the bleeding on the back end of their secondary. Their secondary is so beyond bad and it's everything like you just said. And I don't think people really realize this because the NFC East, the teams don't really have the quarterbacks or the weapons to really, really exploit this consistently. But you see, you saw teams like Cleveland run it up on them last year their secondary is so bad. I think it's either going to be Sertan or J.C. Horn. These seem to be the two top cornerbacks. On I think board. I like Sertan over J.C. Horn. Um, I, I also do, too. That's why he's the pick here. His dad, uh, his dad used to be a great player on the Dolphins, so he's got that NFL lineage in his blood. And, yeah, so I, I think that uh, – I think the Cowboys <laughs> – I would assume that they're going to look at their defensive struggles last year and say, we're picking a cornerback. We need to. So. But I will say, I've heard, and I don't know how true this is, but there are rumors that the Cowboys are in the mix to maybe move up to four or so for Kyle Pitts. Nope. I'm not buying it either, but that would be I think crazy. That's like, when, I think that's like classic Jerry Jones. Like when Jerry Jones had a draft card written that said Johnny Manziel's name on it and his son ripped it out of his hand <laughs> yeah. and one in that said Zach Martin. I think that's Jerry Jones sitting in his rocking chair going, I want that tight end that does everything. <laughs> but um, that's all. I think that that's all we got to hear on the Cowboys. Matt, we shadily don't have that much time left. I know we got probably just about five minutes left here. One so thing. That- speed round. All right, one team, and I'll be quick about this. I, obviously, I want to talk about the Eagles, despite them trading out of the top 10 all the way down to 12. And if you saw on our Instagram story yesterday, we actually opened this up. We said, what do you guys want us to talk about? And I got a couple notes about the Eagles. So what I think is going to happen in Philly, I think it'll be one of two things. I think they're actually in a great spot where they traded down, where they're going to be able to draft either a wide receiver or a cornerback that falls to them. Wide receiver I think they might pick is Jalen Waddell. I expect Smith and Chase to be off the board by the time it gets them at 12. And I think Waddell's a really, really interesting prospect. A lot of people are high on. 
Jalen Hurts. I think if he's there, they're doing jumping jacks. Otherwise, they might look to take J.C. Horn or a corner that's there. Exactly, and that's that's what I was going to say too. Jalen Hurts was asked which of his former Alabama teammates will be the best pro, and he said Jalen Waddle. And I think that speaks volumes in a in an Alabama yeah. wide receiver room that's had four top fifteen picks in the last two seasons. All right, my rap. Can I just go with another rapid take here? Yeah, yeah. Rapid take, like I said, I don't think the Pats are going to trade up for a quarterback. In addition, I do just want to say we've heard so much about the big five quarterbacks this year that are going to go in the first round. Do not sleep on the other quarterbacks that can be moved, the other quarterbacks' moves that can be made, whether it be Bridgewater or Garoppolo, but more specifically the day two quarterbacks here. We're hearing reports that Pittsburgh has Kyle Trask ranked ahead of two of the big five quarterback prospects on their board. Kyle Trask had an amazing season at Florida. I'm not going to stand at the table and tell you he's going to be an amazing NFL quarterback, but he is a slept-on prospect. Kellen Mond is a guy who's getting a lot of traction out of Texas A&M who could go on day two to the New Orleans Saints or somewhere else where he can step in, wait a year, and then make a big impact. This is a guy who did nothing wrong in the last three years as a starter at Texas A&M in the SEC, so don't sleep on that. People like Davis Mills too, but forget Davis Mills. The guy started one year at Stanford. We're not going to sit here and tell you that he needs to be a second-round pick. But most people haven't projected as such. So a long-winded way of saying you're going to hear so much about these five quarterbacks at the top of the draft, but don't be surprised that a lot, basically, of people moved at this draft are going to be starting next season other than those guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that's all I got for the draft here. I, I got a couple shout-outs. Um, sure. just wanted to throw in real quick. Um, couple guys I've been meaning to shout out Corey Altman, big fan, always, always around. Got to shout him out. I always forget to, so shout out Corey, shout out Noah Kasson, forgot to last week. He's always in the mix early on the, on the Instagram lives. Always love when people are commenting. So shout out Noah and my real shout out sports related. It's got last night. Yankee history was made, not actually, but Aaron Boone finally grew a pair of balls and benched Gary Sanchez for wow. Kyle Higashioka. Sanchez, he's a fan favorite, it seems, although he's terrible at the sport, and I think he's on his way out of the New York Yankees. I think Higashioka is going to become the full-time catcher. Garrett Cole already prefers pitching to him, and I think it's a done deal for Gary, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about baseball. I'm not going to pretend to, but I'll take your word on all of it. <laughs> all right, you got, you got any shout-outs for us? Yeah, I'll shout-out real quick. Um, it's like an anti-shout-out, the fact that all of a sudden you got Floyd Mayweather is now going to fight Logan Paul. That was announced this morning. I would just love Floyd to pick on someone his own size one of these days. Instead of just only fighting people that don't box historically, like Conor McGregor, and now taking on a YouTube star. I would just really appreciate if Floyd actually did one fight that he thought wasn't a 100% chance that he was going to win for $2 billion for, you know, an hour of his life to watch him basically run circles around a ring and not actually get hit or hit anybody, but win on points. So that's my rant on boxing. Floyd Mayweather annoys <laughs> the hell out of me, and I am not excited to see him watch Logan Paul. In fact, you know what? I don't even think I'm going to watch. Really? You're not even going to watch? Nah. I can think of better ways to spend $100. Well, listen, if you're spending $100 and not streaming it through the interweb, then that's on you. But I'll also say, you know, Floyd Mayweather, he's 50 and up. He's fought 50 times. Can't find any of those fights that are good enough for you. No. No. <laughs> One yeah. fact also, his yeah. daughter is a murderer. Any fans want to Google that story? His daughter murdered a person. Her husband's baby mama, her husband. Not husband, her. She had a child with NBA young boy who then had a child with someone else. I think he's had eight children with eight different women. I think that's a stat at like 23 <laughs> years old. And she murdered one of them. So Mayweather oh, family has seen better days. And now they've resorted to fighting Logan Paul. Might as well be Kimbo Slice. It's the easiest money grab ever. And if I could get into a ring for 20 minutes and run circles around for $100 million, I would do it too. No See, that said, I wouldn't take $100 million to get in the ring. Ah, eh, would you take $100 million to get in the ring with Floyd Mayweather? If I was Jake Paul and I was capable of, like, hopefully handling myself, yes. If I was no, me. No, you are Matt Budkowski. Matt Budkowski, I mean, if you put $100 million on the table, I would have to try. I would have to try. 
and you could knock me out, sure. And hopefully I'd wake up in the next morning with a hundred million dollars. Yeah, you might wake up a vegetable. But it's like, well, it's like that scene that you ever see the Entourage movie where yeah, Turtle yeah. gets in the ring with Ronda Rousey and right. they're like trying to last 10 seconds and they go ding ding and he goes, How much time? I love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, unless you got any more shout outs, I think that's just gonna, that's gonna do it for us here. I see a comment oh, come in at the last second a buzzer beater here from Ross Rubin. Give him a shout. So, what up, Ross? Um, thank you everybody as always for listening. This was a fun one. Um, we'll definitely keep an eye on the Instagram as the draft goes down on Thursday. See how accurate we are. This could finally be my year where I upset notice in the mock draft. 0% chance. Thanks so for listening, everyone. thank you. We'll be back same time next week. Knuckleheads.